23. Where the Lord says in Romans 6.23 that for the wages, for the wages of sin, that's the payoff, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen? Mm -hmm. Let's deal with this thing called sin and the wages of it, which is death. When we go to Genesis 2, verses 16 and verses 17, Genesis 2, verse 16 and 17, We see here that the Lord makes a command to man, Adam. And he says, of every tree of the garden, thou mayest eat freely. Mm -hmm. But then he puts a clause in there, but. Mm. That thing there always cancels something out, that word but. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he says, don't eat from it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, you won't just die, but you will surely die. The problem is this. God just told us that we would surely die, right? Which means to you will suddenly depart from God spiritually and then physical death will take hold and eventually it will take us out of here. But because man didn't know what death really was, he didn't know. And because of his curiosity, sometimes the things that we don't know, we tamper with, and we find ourselves going through life with some serious complications. Am I right about it? I said, am I right about it, Cherry? You see, we can sit here and we can either confront the situation or we can sit here and we can hear and just let it pass on by, knowing it's the truth. But if the truth don't gravitate to us, then we can't grow. Amen? On the day that we eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is simply leaning to your own understanding. That's all that is. Okay? The Bible tells us to trust in the Lord with all our heart. You know, lean not to our own understanding. That's the same thing as telling us not to touch that tree. Because trees in the Bible specify mankind. Amen? You can't eat everything 
from yourself because of what you're thinking. Amen. And you got to be careful who you eat from. Am I right about that? So God says now, you will surely die. But because we didn't know what death was, because of our curiosity, we figured, well, okay, we're going to venture off into that, into a place where we should not be. God told us not to. He commanded us not to. But we decided, in spite of what God commanded us to do, that we're going to give it a try anyway. Amen? Amen. And that brings us to Genesis 3, verse 4. Genesis 3, verse 4. So look what happened. We get talked into things through the voices that are in our head. Amen? Mm-hmm. Verse 4 says, uh, and the serpent. That word serpent there means whispering enchanter. Have you ever had any voices inside yourself? Pillow talk here? To do that which is evil instead of that which is good. Well, this is what's going on here. The whispering enchanter said unto the woman, which is the inner spiritual reality of a man, because she came out of man. So he's actually, the serpent is really speaking to us within. Amen? Mm-hmm. And the first thing he says, he tries to put doubt on what God it's said and commanded. He said, you should not surely die. You see what I'm saying here? See, he, he, he's mixing it up. Mm-hmm. He's mixing it up. Well, we're going to go on in here and we're going to see what mixing it up will do. Closing. The book of Colossians, that's right after Philippians. <clears throat> Chapter 2, verse 21 through 23. Are we there? Two verses 21 through 23. Here's Paul. And Paul's saying the same thing that the Lord has said. When he commanded <clears throat> us not to touch certain things, Paul says here, verse 21, touch not, taste not, handle not. Mm. These are feelings. Touch is a feeling. Taste is a feeling. Handle is a feeling. See, these are emotions. These are senses. Certain things we don't need to touch. Certain things we don't need to taste. Certain things we don't need to handle. Because which all are to perish with the using. You should surely die. 
after the commandment and doctrines of men. Men will mess you up. Following mankind as a whole will screw you up. That's why the world is going to hell now. It's not because of the animals. It's because of man. I saw a show last night on some beavers. I didn't know beavers was as crazy as they are. But they brought in ten beavers to try to deal with the ecosystem, right? And those things spread it and became about 100,000. And they literally decimated the forest. They worse than a chainsaw in Paul Bunyan. They shut it down. Cut the trees down, everything. That wasn't the beaver's fault. The beaver was just doing by nature what it does. That was man's fault for bringing the beaver in there without realizing what the beaver would do. On the day that you eat from it, you'll surely die. If they would have known the Bible says, what they were doing, they never would have killed our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But see, they thought they had him, but they didn't. They didn't, because he had a trap and a trick for them. Touch not, taste not, handle not, for all the uses thereof, they perish. Because they're following the commandments and the doctrines or the teachings of men. Not going to be with you long. Now, when we look at 1 Corinthians 8, verses 1 and 2, will you please put that up there for me? When we look at 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1 and 2, it says, Now, as touching things offered unto idols. I want you to look at this. Everybody in here has what we call knowledge. Amen? Bible says we all got it, right? But look what else comes with knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. Mm-hmm. Make you think you're more than what you are. That's the first thing a little bit of knowledge do to a fool. Puff them up. That's why I say don't put a novice in office. Because the novice will get puffed up. They, they, they got to be close enough to the fire to understand that fire burns. So I got to be careful this thing. But it goes on and it says, but, there that word but is again. It says charity, which is love, it edifies, it builds up. Amen. So you can have all the knowledge you want to have, church. You can know all the Hebrew, the Paleo-Hebrew, I don't care, the Greek. You can know the Septuagint. You can know anything that you want to know. But if you don't have love, you don't have anything. Because love is what we call the top dog. In this. 
You can have a first grade education in that. But if you got love, you got it. You can learn the rest of it. But you need to have love. You got to have it from the onset. You got to. So God goes on and he speaks to us. Ooh, Paul. Put that up there, son. He tells us that. And if any man think that he knoweth anything. We run upon a lot of intellectuals. I know Tom and I do. We do. And one thing I know about intellectuals, because I'm one. We're simply educated fools. We're smart enough just to get ourselves trapped off. Because we like a little sign to see in psychology, you've got the parent, you've got the mature, and then you've got what they call the little professor. Speaking psychology on here right now. But it mixes in with the word because it's all about the mind. Like my granddaddy used to say, it's all in the mind, son. Now, that little professor, that's that part in you that loves to invent things, that love to tamper with things, that love to, that's where all your artists, and your engineers and all this stuff, that, that side of man in his mind, in his sight, the little professor is what we call it. That's the one that loves to mess with stuff. Can't leave things alone, make a better mousetrap, make a better person, make a better this, make a better that. But we have to be careful with the little professor because the little professor is a mad scientist. Look out at the world. It was the little professor that split an atom, fused it back together, and brought about a nuclear warhead. That came from the little professor in man. Amen? They call them scientists. Paul say certain things we ought not touch. But we do anyway. Put the scripture up there for me, son. Um, verse 2, 1 Corinthians. It says, if any man think that he knows anything, he don't know nothing. <laughs> That's God's word. As, or yet as he ought to know. But you know, when you go to that next verse there, which I don't have there, but that verse talks about whosoever loveth God is known of God. See, it puts that love in there. Because love is a top dog. Now, let's go to Hebrews. Like I say, I'm not going to be with you long. We're gonna be, we'll get out early. I'm going to give you what God told me to give you. And that's all I'm going to do. Amen. That's all I'm supposed to do. If I do anything else, then I'm doing it. And I'm not going to do that. Not here. Hebrews 12, 1. Hebrews 
The Word of God says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about <laughs> with so great a cloud of witness. I'm going to start right there. I'm going to re- re- reiterate some things that I've talked before. These witnesses. Now, these witnesses, they've all been resurrected. They've gone on to the heavenly paradise in the bosom of God. That's what Jesus did. He raised them, took it. He raised the paradise from below, took it up top. Now, that's why when we present, that when we absent from the body, we're present with the Lord because of that spiritual Eden, which we call paradise. It's the spiritual Eden. It's the one that God took up with in Jesus Christ. We have the witnesses there that's done been through this. And they're urging us on. They want to see us make it. Because in the Bible, the Bible says, if we don't make it, they don't make it. So that puts a new responsibility on us to make sure that we keep Running this race. Keep walking. Just keep walking. It tells us that we got a great cloud of witness urging us on. It says, now let us lay aside every weight. Understand that every weight is not a sin. But then it goes on and it says, and the sin which so easily besets us. But every sin carries a weight. Do you understand that? Every weight that's on us is not a sin. But every sin that we commit carries a weight. And the weight of it is the wages of death. It goes on and it tells us to let us run this with patience. That means continuing endurance. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. There is a timeline that's been set before us by God. This is our appointed time to see what we are going to do for God. And because it's so important that we run this race to the end, because there are others that have to be brought in. There are others who are there But just to show you how sure our God is, God knows that we're going to make it. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there, that cloud of witness right now. They wouldn't be there. Because there would be some doubt in God's ability. You ever went to do something and you had doubt about it and you didn't put all your eggs in one basket? All the eggs go in the same basket. Because all these chickens going to get hatched. And only God can say that. Only God. 
So we have to move away from the weights, those things that bother us down and the sin that comes along the way of it all. Because weights can cause you to sin. But every sin carries a weight. Everything. But here's hope. Here's hope. Revelation 21, verses 3 and verses 4. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with who? Men. Us. We have to believe that. And he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them. Boy, that's, that's strong. And be their God. Next verse. This is what the eradication of sin will do. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. How many of y'all tired of crying? Whether anybody see your tears or not. How many of y'all tired of crying? How many of y'all tired of pleading to God to help you get through this insanity? That sin has got us in you. See, we're all sinners. Everybody in here is a sinner. Everybody. If you ever in a church where people, if you ever hear a preacher say that we are not sinners, you run like hell. You better run fast. Because now you're making God a lie. And don't even know it. Every one of us in here have got faults. That's why For me to judge anybody in here, I'm simply judging myself. So I don't have time for that. The only thing that I got time for is to love because love edifies. It builds up. It doesn't matter how much I know about that Bible. That don't mean nothing to y'all until y'all know how much I care about y'all. If I came up in here with my head stuck up in the air like I'm all this and all that, and I was untouchable like a lot of ministers are, untouchable, you know, I could give the deepest of the revelations and stuff. If you don't like me, you probably don't like what's coming out of me either, whether it's God or not. Now, let's just be real about that, right? So there is a relationship that has to be procured when we are in the midst and trying to live for God. And I always tell people when I was out there in the job world, I would first thing that I would tell uh, supervisors, once I we started talking and we knew a little bit about each other, 
First thing I would tell them is, uh, you know, it does great good to the morale of the people if you just go by and let them know how much you appreciate them, give them a hug, and say, I'm glad to see you today. That means a lot to people who are under people in order to get a job done, whether it's getting it done for God or whether it's getting it done for some business or something. Put that scripture back up there and let me finish it some. Say you're going to wipe all tears from their eyes. Ain't going to be no more death, right? Because that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it's not going to be, it's not in Revelation. It's gone. Neither there shall there be any more sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. See, this is, sin causes all of this. Uh-huh. Sin causes tears. Sin causes death. The wages of sin is death. Mm-hmm. Sin causes sorrow. Sin causes crying. Sin causes pain. Yeah. For the former things are past. Oh, that's why we've got to run this race with patience, people. Right there. To get to that point where the former things, this old world, see, it'll pass away and God will bring in the new order, the real order, the order of God. Not the order of man, but the order of God. Sometimes the simplest of messages are the hardest to do. Leave sin alone. Sounds simple, don't it? But it's not. Because you see, sin, which is the transgression, that's what sin is. It's simply being disobedient. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who taketh away the S-I-N, the sin of the world. Didn't have an S on that. Just one sin. So I don't understand why people pick on people about their sin and not pick on themselves about their sin because sin is sin and the wages of sin is death. Amen? Ain't no way around that. So we pick out our little things to beat people over the head with. But Jesus didn't say, John the Baptist didn't say he came to take away the sins of the world. He came to take away the sin, the disobedience of the world. You know, transgression. So it doesn't matter what name you got on the sin. It doesn't matter what act it is. The fact of the matter is sin is sin. And there's only one. And it started way back. When you transgress, when God told us to do something, we did the opposite. And that's what sin is. It's the breaking of God's law. It's transgression. It's disobedience. And that's what it is. 
So ain't no need in trying to pick on that person over there, pick on that. No, no, no. Don't work like that with God. It's sin, people. And God said, leave sin alone. Because the wages of sin is death. Ain't no way around it. And what this thing does is sin, it gets itself, it infuses itself deep in the cells of our entire being. Amen? That's what sin does. And it mixes in with the spirit of the flesh. And it causes us to contaminate the tabernacle of God within, if that were possible. But I thank God for the blood of Jesus because Paul says that for sin, in the book of Romans, for sin, taken occasion by the law, Caused all kinds of lust to be in me, concupiscences, all kinds of lust. And it slew me. He said it killed me. Now what Paul said. So in essence, Paul ain't no better than the rest of us because we're all human, right? But God still used the man mightily. With a thorn in his flesh. That God refused to remove because he said my grace is sufficient. You know, well, you just keep walking. Because if I take that away from you with the knowledge that you got from me, you were bad enough before you got saved. I'm going to have to put something on you mm-hmm, to keep you. Anybody that has heightened revelatory knowledge has some strong thorn in their flesh of some type, some form, some fashion. Why it's like that, I don't know. I wish it wasn't, but it is. But this I do know in my clothing. This I do know. That even though sin may be deeply rooted In the essence of man, God is deeper than sin. I say God is deeper than sin, church. And God has a remedy for sin. It's that blood of his. And because while yet we were sinners, Christ died for us. He saw the condition of man. He saw the condition of the world. He saw the condition that sin has put us in. But God didn't take us out. God said, no, I'm going to die for that which I created. And then I'm going to give them the remedy of my resurrected power. Through the blood. So church, you keep on trusting. You keep on believing. Remembering the fact that 
He's going to wipe all our tears away. He's going to take death, throw it into the lake of fire. He's going to take pain. He's going to get rid of it. He said, Behold, I make all things new. He said, I'm going to do a thing in Israel. It's going to make both their ears tinkle. Not only their physical ear, but their spiritual ear too. He that has an ear to hear, let him hear. What the Spirit of God is saying to the church. Amen? Amen. Then give God praise.